Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, once again, Talk Cosmos, and I'm your host, Sue Rose Minahan, and tonight is May 18th, and to remind folks, this show will repeat itself Thursday, but in the morning at 6 a.m., and that's May 23rd, and tonight is the fifth week that we're in the Taurus archetype. You know, there's a couple of archetypes in the year that actually have five Saturdays as far as they fall in the natural calendar, which gives us good uh, further energy to really understand this archetype. Tonight, the subject is the fixed star Algol, which happens to be 26 degrees. You know, there's 30 degrees in a sign, so it's pretty far along in that uh, in Taurus. So if your particular chart has anything either in a fixed sign or towards the last few degrees, it could be quite an energy that you might be feeling. And the title of the talk is Recognizing Power and Potential Within. Fixed stars in the sky are used for navigation and direction because they move only one degree every 72 years. So it's very, very, very slow. They seem fixed from our position here on Earth. In 1900, our goal was 24 degrees Taurus 26. That means half a degree, more or less. And 50 years later, in 1950, it had only moved less than a degree at 25 degrees Taurus 28. Again, uh, one degree it had moved, actually. And as of 2000, it was 26 degrees Taurus 10. Our goal has a legacy. It's very potent, and it's really the most difficult of the fixed stars as far as history goes. This we're going to cont- uh, confront because perspective means everything. And that historical past that it has associated, there's a lot of mythology, and there's also how it's used today. But essentially, its connection with death and pain, it does thread a paradox of life and death's door. Because shadow, which is also very related to Scorpio and the full moon today, resonates with this particular uh, energy, we could say, of pain is, is how to resurrect. It is a matter of integrating inner insights is my own takeaway from what I've been researching and thinking about because I happen to have it quite prominent in my chart. And so it's really of great interest. I was so glad that this our, ho- our guest tonight really has given some energy towards it because I have Mars at 27 degrees Taurus. So this is quite a 
insightful energy, and particularly through the mythology, I think, of how the rewards of power and creativity can be used in that and working with one's shadow. As far as this other pointer that I have to bring up before I introduce our guest is just a few hours ago, there was a full moon in Scorpio. Now, it happened to be 27 degrees Scorpio. So the sun is in Taurus 27 degrees, which is exactly conjunct, as we say in astrology, what was within a degree of Algol. It's a very potent time. And that happened to be on the West Coast at 2.11 p.m. And if you're on the East Coast, it would have been at 5 o'clock p. 11. That's 11 minutes p.m. And if you're anywhere else in the world, you'll just of course, do your time zone change. But that actually has a lot to do with shifting our shadows. So tonight, the guest that will be joining me is Dawn from Six O'Clock Astrology from Buffalo, New York. And she's a Kepler College certified astrologer, both in natal and predictive techniques. And she teaches classes in the Buffalo area, consultations, very customized to those client needs, you know, based on a, a, a myriad of needs for timing. Because, as she says, founder of Six O'Clock Astrology, timing is everything. Dawn has been published online and in print. And in fact, she wrote a wonderful article for Kepler College that you can find right now about Algol. It's called Making Amends with Medusa, Kepler Astrological Education. And if you just Google keplercollege.org, you can locate that. So... Well, with great pleasure, I'll just say hi, Dawn. It's really been a treat to be able to connect tonight. I know it's like a little reunion. Hi, Sue. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, I think it was, and I didn't mention this with your bio, but you and I are both members of the Organization for Professional Astrology, OPA, which is a wonderful group. And so it's been a real pleasure to continue our relationship. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'll go, you know, in your article, you mentioned making amends with it. Perhaps you have a focus that you'd like to begin. Uh, I have many also, to, to, but uh, if you have something that comes to mind, or perhaps, go ahead. When I first wrote the article, I actually wrote it, and I was really angry, which really is... Um, kind of encapsulates really what Algol is about <laughs> is, is turning that anger that you have into something productive. Um, because I have my Mercury conjunct Algol. And so when I found that out, like like most people that find out that they have a planet conjunct Algol, you get this first, this initial wave of panic and you think, okay, from what I've heard, this is not good. Oh dear, this is just not good. And so I researched and read everything I possibly could about it. And there was a lot of negative and there was some positive, but what I realized was that just like any planet, there's there's the um, the unproductive manifestations and then there's productive manifestations. And everybody loved to ride the doom and gloom train and talk about the you know negative implications and the horrific you know consequences. 
but yet I was discovering as I was researching people that had a conjunction uh, with Elgol that there was uh, a lot of great things to be said that weren't being stated. And so that was really the impetus for me to write this article was to kind of speak for for those that weren't being spoken for. Like this is this is a great aspect to have if you just know how to work with it and if you know what she stands for. So um, I take more of like a therapeutic approach to how to work with her because I think one of the biggest mistakes, it's a simple statement, um, people tend to focus on what Elgol can do to you and they don't think about what Elgol can do for you. And that's Ooh. kind of my focus. Oh, thank you, Dawn. That really succinctly pinpoints a big takeaway that I had looking at all the mythology because I love seeing what did the ancients say. And I agree with you. It's a little scary I mean, I always thought for a while, oh, it's 26 degrees. My Mars is 27, ha, 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 until I realized, oh, my goodness, Sue, that's only one degree orb, meaning, of course, they're connected. And so I agree. It's a little bit like, uh, what do we do now? But I'm so grateful because in the mythology, well, we maybe I should just say real briefly that it's thought of to be a demonized woman who uh well there's so many issues about this that go into the negativity right so yes and which are important but i'm just thinking of the point that i wanted to bring up was that through the resolution of it it had to do with the hero person uh using well there's different parts of it but using the reflective shield of Athena. There's so many, and that's another part of this. There's so many other energies related to this, which made me, I mean, when I say energies, I mean um, mythological characters or myth, mythology character people, because it makes me realize that energy of transformation involves so much. It's not just a quick click of a finger it's so deep but by that reflective shield of athena's reflected it right back to the self because it is medusa algal um is often thought of or not thought of but referenced to as medusa who is there's history involved with that of one of the three sisters who has the only mortal of the three with snakes out of her hair, which, of course, snakes in our world of today have misunderstandings, whereas snakes in ancient times was eternity and shedding the skin for a new life. And wisdom. So, yes. So in a nutshell, which and we can go back to all the mythology as we do, but it was as you said, relating it to the fact of instead of seeing external uh, uh, sight, going internal, looking inward, you know, as the, as the uh, shield represented. You know what I think, Sue? When I think about it, when I think about the story, it's... I, something so horrific this woman she's raped she's then decapitated 
and from the blood comes a pegasus. (laughs) So horrific develops and turns into something so beautiful. It's like she might as well have given birth to a unicorn. It's a pegasus, something gorgeous that comes out of this. And then what does she do? She kills a hydra. She saves people. She's she's she suddenly in her death is able to to overcome and and say, yeah, you thought you had me down, but you didn't because I'm still persevering. I'm still working. I'm still protecting. I'm still persevering. And that's that's my takeaway you know something something beautiful coming out of something horrific and i think about when we perceive algal you know something that is perceived as ugly but can be beautiful this could be seeing the beauty in things that that others don't see this could be something that is something or someone that is comfortable with things that would make other people squeamish and a little tidbit off of that I noticed that a lot of folks that have conjunctions with Algol are really huge fans of either some sort of gore or horror film or, um, you know, serial killers or people that are um, fascinated by Halloween. I mean, it's it's almost like people that kind of like that that darker, um, more sadistic side, but not in for for terms of of evil or for wrongdoing, but for the thrill of it. People that have a, an unusually thick skin. You know what I mean? Well, I did read a quote by Diana Rosenberg. I'm not sure who she is exactly, but this was where it said that one isn't able to ignore suffering and horror or brush it aside. That she says that it's a uh, that it insists upon a a confrontation and to assimilate harsh aspects of human experience in this lifetime because once you accept and comprehend it there's power and creativity but you know i think too because medusa was originally of vestal virgil and of course pegasus for those that maybe haven't any knowledge of uh, mythology was a winged horse and that seems to be from when i was reading representing those flights to heaven so here she was a vestal that was harness and protecting the the flame of life which is very ancient. And originally that was a sexually, um, uh, well, the people, the men from war would come back and cleanse themselves through this sexual union. It was on a, uh, actually looked upon as a very purification sense. And the women didn't marry. And later Rome made it so that they were, as they, put the women in a different classification uh they didn't have any sexual experiences so with this story poseidon who is neptune comes along and ravishes one way to say it ravishes uh, medusa who is this beautiful vestal and athena who in her own birth was has there's often there's this legacy between the masculine and the feminine over and over and over mm-hmm. again you know which we're all dealing with in, in a new terms here so this is one reason i love looking at all this but athena was outraged that in her temple there would be such a violation well it seems to me that rather than what she was really saying is a you're a vestal that has your own empowerment no one controls you man man never controlled the vestal and so 
And and I'm wondering if it somehow with this story that it's indicative of when a person doesn't take their own power and own their own power. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there is whole opono opono that says that we are responsible ultimately for everything. And so even though it may seem like somebody else is responsible, we have to look at ourselves to really figure out where our part of it is. So um, I think that could be part of the inner transformation because you're right. She ended up being really powerful with Athena through death. No, go ahead. And there is a, there's a, so many different versions of this, this tale as well. I've, re- I can't tell you how many I've read. I mean, there's the similar themes of, you know, the, the rape in the temple and, but the, the background seems to change a little as time goes on. It, you know, it, some of them, some of the, the mythology that I've read with this story made, made it seem as though, you know, Medusa was a priestess to Athena, like she looked up to her. And then they said how Athena was jealous of Medusa because she was gorgeous. She had hair that was long flowing down past her butt and the men would come to see her for miles and miles. And this drove Athena crazy because she felt like she was the one that should be worshiped because she was the one that was, you know, the teacher, the higher up. And then there were other stories where there there was no jealousy and they it's it was as if they worked together and, and that she was kind of taking Medusa under her wing and showing her things. And that, that when this horrific thing happened, she didn't punish her out of jealousy. She punished her because she really couldn't punish uh, uh, Poseidon. Oh, oh yes. Kind of right. like making Medusa the sacrificial lamb, so to speak. Kind of like, I don't want to hurt you, but this is what I have to do. And then when she was put out of her misery is how they put it in that story, almost like, you know, have her killed. I want, I don't want her to suffer anymore. And then what does she do? She takes her head, right? She puts it on her, was it? She puts it against her, against her chest and her shield like, to wear her for protection, which to me is something you do when you honor somebody, not when you love someone, you know, due to jealousy yes. and any kind of, so, you know, there's, there's that was a theme, later. right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's really, it is interesting. It seems to me looking at the mythology, it becomes more clear that what, I think the ancients that were trying to tell us through their mythology was this reverence for the great source. However, we, you know, in today's language with religions and that we call this great divine consciousness of, of the all. And, but in the Greek world, mankind was beginning to separate itself from nature Partly because, you know, instincts can get pretty brutal. People kill each other. I mean, they they take each other's wives. They do a lot of things that maybe with a more rational attitude, they wouldn't necessarily get involved with. So there is this whole uh, stories. I mean, the, the, the way that they, because a lot of it was oral, you know, talking mm-hmm. stories that I think trying to tell people, well, you know, you have to honor, if the gods were jealous, it was because they were, you have to honor nature. You have to honor the spirit, the, the connection. But I also think people felt um, they didn't have the empowerment. You know, it's the, the consciousness of empowerment wasn't so much. There was a certain victimization maybe that certain people felt because life was harsh. You know, it, it's convoluted is what I'm getting at. 
You know, so you said a key word there um, that to me really, really, uh, again, encapsulates um, the, the theme of Algol when I think about um, how Algol plays out, no matter what planet you have conjunct her or what aspects are going to her, um, victimization. I think a lot of folks, um, based on if you if you read and watch the videos and do the research a lot of a lot of astrologers and a lot of uh, historians and, and people that write about medusa and elgol both astrologically and just you know historically talk about this uh, theme of victimization and and astrologically it's linked to you know us being victims well how are we going to be victimized how are we going to be uh, how are we going to lose our head how are we going to die uh, are we going to be asphyxiated are we going to be raped are we going to be suffocated are we going to be uh, decapitated in some way and really it's, it's like you're missing the point here because the purpose of algol and the chart isn't to make you a victim or for her to victimize you. It's for you to to stop the victimization, which is where the strong advocacy vibe comes in with people that have Algol predominant in their charts. These are people that are blunt, outspoken, determined, right? Fixed sign Taurus. I ain't changing my mind for nobody. <laughs> and these are people that again can speak for themselves or, or stick up for other people so we have we have themes of the sacredness right based on the mythology of of medusa so it's protection and it's perseverance and it's it's defending others that are helpless and i do see a lot of themes with that and i can touch base on that in a little bit with some celebrities and and how they're using their algal in a productive way which everyone should learn how to how to do because i think there's again so much power and potential with this star that instead of focusing on the negative or the unproductive, we really need to start tapping more into what we can do with her and how we can work with her. And you look at your planet and you look at what house it falls in your chart. And if you don't know, you find a good astrologer to tell you because there are things that can be tapped into, talents that can be brought to light and, and, and people that can be helped with this aspect. Absolutely. And you know, when the fact that Pegasus is part of this story, when she is killed uh, and comes out, it really does show that the results of going through the pain of figuring out what it is that you're externally attracted to so much that you just overtake another person or energy, because Pegasus does uh, represent he, it's the capacity of doing everything, the divine inspiration, the uh, journey going to heaven in a sense of flying to the heaven, good hearted, you know, so there is really that result. Uh, it's so true. Let's see, I'm just looking exactly. And after our announcement, which is in a few minutes, I would love to hear some of these celebrities and, and telling people, maybe we just before we have a couple of minutes, why don't we think about what it is in the story, this whole idea that the eye, Medusa, um, Medusa had one eye in the center of her forehead. And again, and again, this comes up, because the one that killed her, Perseus, uh, had to get his gifts uh, from some nymphs, and then, but in order to find out where the nymphs were, he had to go to these three gray sisters and just watch them. And they were sharing an eye back and forth and a tooth also. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he notices that, that they were exchanging it and grabs it. And of course, 
they want it back and they tell him where the nymphs are and then he gives it returns it but that eye along with medusa is like that third eye that part that goes that in integrates and synthesizes internally within the wisdom, the power, the connection that through, you know, it could be meditation, it can be so many different energetic ways of, in other words, instead of looking for power outside, it's power within. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of uh, um, strategy and, and clever, cunning, strategic planning that also comes with, with, uh, with Algol in astrology. Um, a lot of World War II generals and surprisingly, Ooh. alarmingly large amount had had strong aspects to her. Um, Hitler being one of them, you know, it's and, and you know, regardless of if it's if it's negative or if you were a bad guy or a good guy in the situation, it's the fact that you talk about empowerment, you know, talking about tooting your own horn. These are people that knew exactly how to um, work the minds of other people. These, these carefully planned, structured, very, you know, organized kind of tiptoey uh, ways of going about doing things, um, st extremely strategic. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a nerdy side to alcohol, I think, in terms well, of that. That's a wonderful word. I'm so glad because Athena, when I read, read about her, that's one big key word is strategy. Mm -hmm. you know, she was born out of the mind of Zeus because this again gets into this male-female theme that keeps going around and around in different formats. But Zeus was married to Meta, his first wife, who was right. wisdom. And he wanted that wisdom, so he made her – she – allowed herself to become the size of a fly and he ate her well that again shows in a, and then bur he birthed athena who is total strategy totally mind total wisdom and would never succumb to letting some exterior force reduce her so i am so glad i will love to hear your examples and we will might be a little early but no we will take a little break for an announcement and this is talk cosmos may 18th repeating on the 23rd with dawn from six o'clock astrology in buffalo new york we're talking about algo the fixed star we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Taurus. By leaving a cycle based upon initiation, the energy of Taurus integrates spirit into a solid form of matter that is tangible and physical. It's an Earth sign, concerned with self-sufficiency and the values to maintain the strength of a life form throughout its survival. Hello, this is Catherine Zumstein of EarthSkyAstrology.com, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi again. 
Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan and Dawn from 6 o'clock Astrology, Buffalo, New York. And it's May 18th and repeat on the 23rd at 6 a.m. And we're talking about Algol, the fixed star, power within and potential within. And Dawn, you were going to mention some uh, celebrities. I'm all ears. I would love to hear. Well, there's a lot of them, but what I did was <laughs> I looked into the ones that I felt really um, were just had, had some key factors in, 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 in leading, by example, how to use Algol in a productive way, because that's really what I'm all about. How, how can we therapeutically u- utilize her for the greater good, you know, to, to benefit others, to benefit ourselves, to benefit humanity even. Um, so what I did was I was looking at a bunch of celebrities that did a lot of charity work. But a lot of celebrities do because that's kind of that goes to the territory, right? You're, you you donate to charities, you get involved in a couple of things, but then I started looking deeper into those who started up their own charities, people that took the initiative to do something that they were passionate about, because when it comes with you know when we think of Algol, there's creativity, there's passion, there's drive, there's rage, there's anger, um, there's a little bit of obsession, but in a good way. So people that have conjunctions with Algol. Or, or, you know, a preponderance of plants around her, heaven forbid you have more than one, because that's a lot of energy, um, you really need to have an outlet. And the planet it will tell you what outlets, but just in general, outlets are good for anyone that has Elgol in their chart, because this, 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 this rage, this angst has to go someplace. And it doesn't have to manifest as anger or an outburst or anything unhealthy. However, if you do try to suppress it, then you're going to fall into the category of, uh, you know, a, an unproductive manifestation of Elgol, which personally, I don't want to be around. <laughs> However, what I did was I looked at a couple celebrities that had had been using it, I thought, in a, in a really productive way. And so the first person I thought of um, was Billy Joel, because I know he's a Taurus. So I'm like, all right, you know, I wonder if he's got something, you know, brewing around that 26 degree area. And of course he does. And uh, so he has a conjunction. And with, with Billy Joel, now he's done a, a bunch of different charities, as a lot, like I said, a lot of celebrities have, but he created his own and it's called Charity Begins at Home. And it it's basically they they you know create um, you know uh, they support fund they they have funds and they they do charities and they they have different things where they support uh, people that are victims of child abuse. Uh, he's huge on domestic violence and of course people that are victims of cancer. And then I went and I looked up um, another one who I knew had uh, alcohol predominant in their chart with the conjunction, and that was Stephen King. Uh, now, Stephen King, this is really interesting. Um, <laughs> this is a great way of, of using Elgol as an outlet because he would write some horrific, scary, twisted, amazing stuff. But that's Elgol, again, in a productive form, making something that's very uncomfortable, interesting, and fascinating. Now, he's real big on, on supporting his alma mater. Um, you know, he's devoted a couple million dollars. I think it was over three million uh, to uh, different areas in Maine where he's from. Uh, him and his wife met in a library. So he had spent a ton of money to revamp the library, and he's donated to schools. He is really huge on preservation and protection, which, again, are things that, that really are closely related to Elgol. It gives you that passion to, to preserve something, to protect something, be it virginity, right, within the myth, or be it something that you feel is sacred. And so he was really big on um, conservation and preservation. Uh, there was a, um, 
something called uh, the Next Step Domestic Violence Project that he was really big on. And it's called the Tabitha, it's called the Stephen and Tabitha King Foundation. And so they support people that are victims of violence and they support um, the historical society and being able to preserve um, these these buildings that are you know falling apart. So he was really big on trying to save things that he felt were you know, that need to be preserved historically. And then um, the last one I had that I thought was really interesting was Ringo Starr. Now, both him and John Lennon have conjunctions with Algol in their charts, talk about some creative energy there. Um, but with Ringo, he has a, a foundation called the Lotus Foundation. And he's been known for doing all kinds of humanitarian and environmental you know, causes. But um, his main focus was um, animals that were in need, bettered women and children. And of course, again, people that um, were suffering from cancer, primarily brain tumors, which I find funny because there's the head reference. Um, but both him and Billy Joel had the child abuse and the domestic violence theme going. Again, the prevention of the victimization, right? So I thought that was really something that stood out to me. And I think if I if I searched more, I would probably find more that um, were passionate about that aspect. But this is just to give you a, a taste, so you can kind of feel for the commonalities when you think about positive manifestations of algal placements. Well, that is an absolute turnaround for the violence that is often just always thrown out there, because there's other examples of of all the dreadful people that died with Isadora Duncan with her neck and somebody else. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if you were, now this is just a slight comment. Well, it's a definite comment in the uh, thinking of the ones that are negative that you didn't bring up but that, that are so often brought up because everybody has to die at some point in this world. And that is our fate of being a mortal and, and our body constitution and that. But the fact is perhaps that soul dying quick was an effective way of getting it all finished. I mean, Isadora Duncan died strangled with her scarf, you know, so that it wouldn't necessarily be what you'd wake up at, you know, when you were 10 years old thinking, oh boy, that's what's going to happen. But the fact is, so, but I love the fact, so, I mean, there is that, that violence that's so associated. And those are great examples of people truly addressing the violence that they see and making an impact on it. That is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, another couple to throw out there without getting into the details, because they, they come without, uh, you know, without explanation. you got Martin Luther King, Princess Diana, JFK. You know, these are people that were all right. Very, very into right. All of them rights activists in some form or fashion, you know, when we can all think of the things that Princess Diana and Martin Luther King and I mean, JFK, the things that they've done and what they what they fought for the segregation and just the different things. Um, but, you know, that that advocate, that natural born advocate, what am I passionate about? What makes me crazy? What can I do about it? Um, I think Elgal kind of gives us that that pinch on the bottom that says, get up, get moving and get to it. And I, I She's not as indulgent and, and as lazy as uh, the the sign that she's in would would have you think because um, she's got she's just too angry to sit around and let things happen. So I think that people that are born with her in their chart that way are born with a certain innate drive to create some sort of change. These are the revolutionaries. I mean, John Lennon, you know, he's a great example of how to use his algo. I mean, that man was definitely you know, utilizing his his revolutionary tactics to get people really riled up to think about things that they didn't think about. He would challenge the media. He would make a mockery of people that were trying to interview him because in his mind, 
he felt that he knew exactly, you know, how he felt, what what he wanted to convey, and he wasn't concerned with uh, reputation. He had no fear. I gotta tell you, when you think about Medusa, you know, you may be fearful of her, but when you when you have a direct relationship with her astrologically, you kind of embrace her and then realize that there is nothing to fear. So that's where the empowerment really comes in, I think, Sue. It's just knowing that when you feel passionate about something, there's no room for fear. You have your eye on the prize and you just go at it full force like a like a true Taurus bull. Well, that is exactly what Perseus had to do. I'm just trying to link it up to the mythology of it because here he was born of a mother that also had the same kind of problem as Medusa had been ravished in different ways. And, and it, well, her, his grandfather threw the daughter and, and himself out to sea because he'd been told that the grandson would kill him. Well, as it turns out, he did kill him, but he killed him by a remote accident. But in the meantime, he was fearless and he went to protect his mother to against another king that wanted to overtake. So it was always like protecting this, this energy overtaking. You know, I, from notes I was reading about it says that all goes prominent among those who work in the mass media and that it's communication and to speak out because it is you know she was she lived there is that in the mythology she lived way out at the edge of time you might think where the 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 the, the eternal um snake of uh of the past and the present eats its tail of, of no ending and, and beginnings and would scream and whatnot, I think, to get attention. So it is that that reinventing uh, ability and fearlessness. I like that you bring that up, fearlessness. Steward, you have to in order to reinvent. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, think on that for a sec. <laughs> it's a lot to take in. I think there's so much depth with her that we we just skim the surface. And again, I, I just think that she's worth so much more into looking into 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 discovering because I think we have some untapped mental and physical resources um, that I think would make us better as human beings and be able to serve other people better as well. And, you know, a lot of your examples were men. I'm always glad to bring out the fact that these energies exist they're seen as more of a feminine or a masculine. And interestingly, sometimes the feminine has what you think would be what we call masculine energies or solar lunar is another way that astrology tries to connote these things. But it's a humanist. It's it's we all possess these energies and to uh, we're redefining what is uh, of an equal sense, not like this is four ounces and four ounces, but that they're, they have the strength. They both have capacity to, to influence and to exert their own, their own will, which is why I suppose Medusa is said to be one's own God. I think I've read that too, where it's really, uh, yeah. Which, yeah, how that is in, in today's world, one thinks, oh, blasphemy or something. But it's really, again, in the language that we are our own empowerment, such as you said, the p potential within. 
That's I just thought about um, a female, I mean, there's many, but one female celebrity in particular that has a, a conjunction with Algal, and that's Uma Thurman. And um, if you look at her, she's been described as being hauntingly beautiful. And I believe she has a conjunction with Venus, a Venus-Algal conjunction. Okay. And she's even played Medusa. And Ooh. I don't know if she has her own little side astrologer, maybe, or if this was something she was just driven to do, because as with most people that have Algal conjunct one of their planets, the majority of those folks have a fascination with Medusa. And those that have a fascination with her and have never had their chart done probably should find out if there's a conjunction, because the majority of us that are fascinated by her are, are you know, are are fascinated because we're part of her and she's part of us. It's in our astrological DNA. That is so, uh, you you have mentioned that a few times. I'm finally really listening. I think as we're pausing to really reflect on this because it's true. I've often wondered about Medusa early on because I've always loved it mythology wondering why was there such a creature i mean she's quite awesome when you consider this head screeching with snakes coming out of her hair and a big eye in the middle of her head and and off in the middle of nowhere and then she gets killed so it's like why was she killed what is it so it's this part that isn't being like you're saying the victim part where instead of going within and finding that empowerment of owning as a vestal of the original vestal, which was your own person, you know, whether you had a relation or not, was that it was a protective of, of the flame of life. Um, there is a really good book. Um, actually you had, the astrologer Petra Touchard on a couple of times. And um, she's the one that told me about the book called Revisioning Medusa, where it's a collaboration of like historians and teachers and, 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 you know, just uh, people that had, had, had had their own fascination with Medusa and it's poetry and different things. And um, she had mentioned to me, you know, since you have this love for Medusa, you might want to consider being a contributor here's her information you know reach out to her so I did and I gave her that article that I wrote and she goes I love it I'd, I'd like to put it in here so I said well great and she did so I find that if anyone's really into you know reading more about Medusa you know poems or, or just different things different perspectives even different takes on the myth um, the revisioning Medusa from monster to divine wisdom is a, a great kind of coffee table conversation piece for those that um, love Medusa as much as I do Oh, good. In fact, Petra, I will be returning in June. Uh, the name of that book again, slowly, I'm going to write that down, sure. From Divine to... It's Revisioning Medusa, From Monster to Divine Wisdom. Revisioning Medusa from Divine... From Divine or from... To, it's From Monster... Oh, different. from Monster. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I grab the last one. It was I forgot. Okay. I like the divine part. Oh, isn't that excellent? Well, good for you too. That's just beautiful to have publications and well-written. I really enjoyed that article that is in Kepler College. You know, Kepler College for those two that may not be astrologers or those that are astrologers is an online college. It's based here in Seattle, Washington, and it's extremely... Uh, Oh, um, high credentials. I mean, you know, of, of, of great material. I mean, for yourself, like you have a wide span of, of knowledge and, and ability. Yeah, so that's a, for those that are interested, you know, might consider 
schooling with them. Well, Medusa in a chart, I think the very fact that she, again, is so connected today on this full moon where the moon and the sun are in opposite of each other. So the, you know, that's always the case. The sun is 27 degrees. Taurus, which is right close to Medusa, or not Medusa, but Algol, because Algol is it. And, you know, I think, would you say, and, and, the, and the moon is in Scorpio, so we're really, Scorpio, that energy of wanting to dig deep and unearth and reveal, reveal, you know, mm -hmm. out of the garbage, the truth. Grit's coming out. Yeah, because again and again, it's like, okay, to find reality, people do say, this is it. I see this and describe it and we can all recognize it. We have some unity and we can move on and use that as a basis. But the problem with that, when one really gets into these um, psychological dimensions, is it, it's, it's, it's superficial. It doesn't really give the depth. So to say, oh, I see someone screaming. Well, maybe they're screaming for a good reason, other than the fact that they're just screaming. You know, I have a good interpretation for you about tonight's full moon. Oh, good. So when you think about the sun, conjunct Algol, opposing the moon in, in Scorpio, Think about what's going on if you just kind of get an overall global view, like if you were up, up high in the sky, looking down at the earth, this little blue marble, and you could hear all these women yelling and screaming because with that moon in Scorpio, it's saying these are women that are verbally verbalizing their feelings, right? Mercury conjunct sun, verbalizing their thoughts and feelings, opposing the moon in Scorpio. You will not talk to me that way. You will not treat me this way anymore. I will not be controlled. I will not be manipulated. I bet you that's a very common conversation happening today. And on this full moon, you have the men saying, well, you're so emotional. It's a full moon. You're losing your mind. And you have the women saying, or the men, this could be reversed. It doesn't have to be women, but it's, it's one partner or the other saying, I'm aware of the scorpion control that you're putting over me. And I'm, it's, it's come to light. I'm, it's now it's now apparent. My eyes are open and I'm not going to be victim to this anymore. Well, again, it is a matter along with that of taking empowerment of finding out why is this in my picture story? Why is this in my movie? Because there's something within that uh, can release it. And by releasing it, it's in a sense of, of, of killing off that part of, of going through like, you know, per, um, Persis had to wear the invisible cap of Hades, Pluto of the underworld of death. And in a sense, to go through that transformational releasing, letting go of one reality. And Medusa, her stare would kill, would put, put, put somebody to stone. And why? Because that desire, that external need outside of yourself that is so great that you've allowed to take over your as an authority yourself puts you almost like immobile as stone and so it is really a matter of of whether who whatever your masculine or feminine person but that part of a person to release and 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 the shadows you know which represents like the moon in scorpio too to 
Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and it, and 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 claim it. But you're right, the screaming part uh does kind of put a a a, a focus on the fact of um people objecting, you know, I mean, how, however it is that there's a, the depths of it, at any rate. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when it comes to Algol, I think it is fascinating, as you brought up with celebrities, how it's placed in a chart. Like, for instance, it could be at your ascendant, it could be at the midheaven, it could be the sun, it could be a planet, like yours is in Mercury and mine is in Mars. And then, of course, what is that Mars doing or what is that Mercury doing? Like mine happens to be uh, very associated with other parts of my chart. And we all generally, since 1900, have it within two degrees. So we all have the same, it's going to be this from anywhere from 25 to 26, just a little before 25 and a little bit after 26. Taurus in a chart is going to be that point. And as you had said, bringing up a good astrologer, and of course you would be an excellent one for this. And just remind people by going on Talk Cosmos, the website, all the guests are listed and Dawn, the six o'clock astrology her website is listed and her bio and all of that. And you can easily get in touch. But so looking at it, where it's in the chart, and then because it's in Earth, if you have anything, it, it I mean, it's a fixed sign. So any fixed signs, which would be Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, those late degrees is going to be quite intention, trying to express that even more, such as, you know, we've been talking about Joan of Arc had it with her Saturn. Mm -hmm. Of course, talk about empowerment. Yeah. There's a, a couple neat things too that, that, that kind of give you a good feeling of how, how she performs through people. Um, Oh gosh, what is his name? Uh, he was uh, the lead singer for the Animals. He sang "House of the Rising Sun." Oh yes, yes, time. yes. He was brought oh, up. Burton. Wait, what, oh, what's his name? Burden. Uh, Eric Burden, right? Eric Burden. Okay. I think I'm I'm maybe off by a letter. Burden, Burton. Either way. So I think it's Eric Burton of the Animals. Um, they talked about like his haunting voice. You know, he's still alive, by the way, because I wanted to find out if he died and if so, was there an injury to the head? Because I always research that. But of course, he's still alive and well. Um, but yeah, they talked about like his haunting voice. And then, uh, you know, Agatha Christie, she had Mercury conjunct Elgol and look what she wrote about, you know, oh my goodness, gruesome stories. So people that really know how to, how to utilize their Elgol, uh, in, in outlets. And, you know, when I was thinking about the Beatles again, cause again, you have two out of the four, uh, that, that had that conjunction, John Lennon and Ringo Starr with Elgol, um, of course, John Lennon, unfortunately, you know, had the had the wound to the head there, how he lost his life. Mm -hmm. Same thing with JFK, wound to the head. I mean, when we start researching that, you're like, not everybody dies from a wound to the head just because they have a conjunction with Algol, but it is a common theme, and I'm not going to Pollyanna it to death. It's true. It, you know, it, 
it, there does seem to be some correlations, but I'm mm -hmm. not going to worry about how I'm going to die with my yeah. Mercury conjunction. <laughs> I worry Same about here. how I live. <laughs> However, Agatha Christie did have a Mercury alcohol conjunction and she died of natural causes with nothing to do with the head. So there's hope for us yet. But I think the outlets are very important, knowing what kind of outlet you want to have. A Mars conjunction with Algol needs physical outlets. The Mercury conjunction with Algol needs verbal outlets, you know, be it through song or what have you. Oh, and I was going to mention, so Ringo Starr and John Lennon both having these conjunctions with Algol, um, again, mer uh, with, with Mercury in particular, it's, you know, John Lennon was so outspoken and such a revolutionary. But when you think about the band as a whole, how they influenced the band, they started off singing about these these sweet songs, I want to hold your hand, you know, those those kinds of twist and shout. And then as they got more comfortable and experienced, they started experimenting and they got a little darker and they got into, you know, I'm a loser and nowhere man. And you could kind of sense the music taking a darker turn. And I think with those two, that's the Elgal too, giving giving that outlet through their music to express the darker side, the grieving, the anger, the loneliness, uh, the victimization, if you will. And then, you know, progressing from there where it got, of course, even more <laughs> theatrical and um, experimental. But a good example, again, of being able to use an outlet via writing, music, you know, what have you. Um, I think it's important because that, that all that rage and anger and energy has to go someplace. And if we can channel it for a, a positive direction, I think we could really be capable of, of great big things. That is fascinating just to hear your whole synopsis of, yes, that their transgression, I mean, their trans formation going from using song and then going towards different dimensions of it that is so true next and i just noticed the time not just a brief announcement to folks that next week we begin gemini and it'll be the cosmic collaborations where myself and three other astrologers will be talking about shape-shifting and the trickster energy why is it what is it and how is it so that will be a composite talk, and that'll air on the 25th, and then again, there'll be the next Thursday. It's always a repeat on the next Thursday. So for any of your archives, and if you came in late to this, well, you can always listen on Thursday for the repeat, or else go to Talk Cosmos. There's audio, audio archives, and you can click on and listen to Dawn from six o'clock astrology and myself talk about algal well anyway don is we're, we'll wrap this up we have a couple of minutes here which is great you've mentioned a couple of things that just really i don't always think of but that is a haunting and i've read this before a haunting look you know it is where it is a death the death becomes a lot of it it's as though that stare wanted it killed people i mean that's why athena put it on her cloak was that it together they were through death as you've written i mean stronger and killed her opponents you know because they must you you, you wonder is it because the opponents wanted to see the external and in, at any rate it did but that haunting look and also the the violence of, of not taking it as though it's horrible, but realizing decay, getting rid of what doesn't work is important. We have to, you know, it's the shadow, it's whatever, but we, in order to get through to personal empowerment, 
we have to get rid of our comfort zone. I mean, with Mars and Taurus, and I know you are a Taurus, but it's very, and for anybody in Taurus, it's easy to understand comfort. You know, things work. They live. <laughs> but shedding that, as you said, getting off and letting go and life doesn't stay. Oh, gosh, I guess we have about that time. Dawn, yes, it's Sue. been a gift. Thank you. I love being here. I can't wait to come back sometime. And oh, yay. More. Okay. Send me an idea. We'll do it. Oh, I have many. <laughs> oh, many. I know it. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Dawn. All right. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots and stars.